You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we are here today to talk about two 3D horror movies. With monsters, like sharks. Yeah, and piranhas. <laughs> we, are, we are talking about Jaws 3D and Piranha 3D. But before we get started, the world is a very crazy place right now. We have more than one global crisis going on. And if you feel like you should be doing something more important than listening to a horror podcast. A goofy, let's be real. A goofy horror podcast from <laughs> two Canadian idiots. Um, please feel free to stop listening right now and take whatever action you feel you should be doing. But, you know, if you're completely worn down by just like a 24-hour news cycle of bad news and violence, and you just need a short distraction from from all of that, then this podcast is, is here for you. Yeah, um, obviously I echo John's sentiments. I uh, literally had to delete Twitter off my phone today. Did you um, actually? I did, yeah. I needed to take a break. That's and. Fine. You know, Nightmare on Film Street has always existed as a fun space where we can escape some of the dark stuff that we live with in our daily lives, which for us just so happens to be fictional dark stuff. And um, horror has always been a fun outlet for me. And I it's it's really hard right now because you, you feel very conflicted on whether it's even right to, like, use escapism right now. But honestly, like, we... We need to take care of us as well as we need to make sure that we're being participants in society and, and participants against human rights and and doing what we can for public health and like <laughs> the killer bees. <laughs> like, literally pick a thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I should also mention that this is the last episode that we had pre-recorded. We were supposed to be on the road right now heading to film festivals. Um, so this episode was recorded before the pandemic. It was recorded before all of the current events. So the level of enthusiasm and excitement for these two shark films does not come because we are just like emotionally tone deaf. We, <laughs> you know, I'm even jealous listening to this, like when we edit this episode of just like how carefree we were. So, um, listen to it. Hopefully it takes you out of any like any headspace you're currently in and you can just enjoy two really bonkers under the seat creature features. But we wanted to release uh, as per schedule this week because we've never we've never missed an episode and we know a lot of you guys count on us in your feeds. So uh, here we are. Yeah, we're not saying delete Twitter off your phones or only listen to podcasts and turn no. off the TV because <laughs> it's more important than, you know, protesting your government's reaction to police brutality. But you need to do what you need to do. You need, you need an hour or two to yourself every day. Yeah, so um, we're going to skip the what's keeping us creepy this week because, to be honest, we're not really doing much in the way of anything. But without further ado, here are two carefree people from the past <laughs> talking about Jaws 3D. A creature alive today has survived millions of years of evolution. It lives to kill a mindless eating machine that will attack and devour anything. One terrified you like nothing you have ever experienced when it captured your imagination and tapped your fear like no movie before it. Then, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, two continued the legend and spread the fear. Next summer, Nature's most terrifying creature takes on an all-new dimension in an all-new adventure. And for the first time, the terror of Jaws will not stop at the edge of the screen. Jaws 3D. 
the third dimension is terror. From 1983, Jaws 3D, or Jaws 3, depending on how you're watching it, is currently sitting at a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes, 3.7 out of 10 on IMDb, 27% on Metacritic, and one point, a staggering 1.9 <laughs> out of 5 on Letterboxd. Yeah, I think you can watch this in 3D on the Blu-ray, if you have the Blu-ray copy. And a 3D, t- well no, I guess you wouldn't need a 3D TV for this and movie. And those fun red and blue glasses, or green, or whatever colors that you're given. Uh, we, however, have a VHS. <laughs> yep, and it doesn't even, it doesn't say 3D on it, it just says Jaws 3. Jaws 3. Well, apparently, so I was reading that they, they only serve you, like, the left side of the screen, because, like, when they film 3D, you, they, they film two different versions, obviously, and then they get overlaid. Yeah. And so... We were thinking that our VHS copy was just a bag of shit. That's just how it looks because of all, the process. Yeah, so it's it's 35 millimeter, but it's like a lesser than version because we're only being served half of the image or whatever. Got it. So our version, I guess the version, the 2D version, I mean, I'm sure it's been updated for Blu-ray and for DVD and higher quality Maybe. Uh, media that exists now, but the action sequences were so stupid stuttered did you notice that it was just like like there were frames missing (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, totally and the coloring is all wrong oh yeah shark was red no i'm kidding (laughs) my favorite part is that on the vhs copy like they definitely released this in 3d because the sticker that sits directly on the vhs cassette uh says jaws 3 but it's not centered Cause like it's, <laughs> they just scrub yeah, the D. Yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> like if the D was there, it would be centered, no problem. That's so funny. They just they scrubbed it off the poster art. They're like, yeah, it's the same. Gone mm-hmm. entirely. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was transported. There were some 3D <laughs> elements that even in my 2D VHS letterbox on a widescreen TV, which is so sacrilegious, don't do it, uh, <laughs> looked so so jumped right out of the screen at me that severed arm (laughs) your face right now oh my god you're like what are you are you making a joke is this a joke i don't know what the levels are it it was a joke of course it was a joke this is terrible (laughs) this movie looks awful oh yeah the 3d is terrible this movie looks terrible but it's a wonderful kind of terrible yeah obviously i mean it's a party movie you watch it with your friends it tries real hard to be super scary, and you, you know how you know that, is that it is, uh, I think, well, I mean, they probably topped it in Jaws 4, who knows, but it is the largest shark at that point in the Jaws franchise. 35-foot shark, they said. But that's only because, uh-huh. big reveal, halfway through this movie, they were following the wrong shark. Were they trying to say that that shark was born from the bigger shark inside the I lake? don't think so, I... I See, the problem with this movie is that the story is, like, super muddled, so I was so confused It's very hard it. to follow for such a like, dumb movie. Yeah, I was just like, why are we at this bar for ten minutes? Like, what have we learned? Uh, we just learned that divers like to play silly drinking games and buy nondescript beers, and that's it. What was the drinking game? It was just that, like balance pushover oh right thing. yeah okay yeah and because they've all got such strong cores yeah we introduced the brody brothers la 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 okay i'm getting sidetracked but why i think that scene exists is because part of what made jaws so great is that yes it's like this action horror thriller movie set on the water and it's tense and there's there's tons of really cool action sequences despite the lack of sharpness. Yeah. Uh, what makes that so great is all of the characters are so fully formed and really handled well. We really get to see inside Brody's head and we know who Quint is. Oh yeah. And part of it is because there's these fun little like offshoot scenes that are purely for character development and mm-hmm. they don't necessarily advance the story because the story of Jaws is about the characters. And particularly like this the scene in the first film where 
Brody's kind of bringing his work home and he's having that dinner with his family. And there's that really adorable moment between him and his son and like his wife watching over. You fucking love this scene. I do scene. fucking love that scene. I, I will talk about it whenever. But He's like, come here, give well, me a kiss because so, I need it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> you it's love it. It's so good, though. But in this movie, obviously, it's going to be lesser than because what are you we're, talking about? We have three all times those... removed. No, we have all these lovely scenes where you like, you could come on, dolphins, I need to hug me. <laughs> <laughs> but in the bar sequence, I think they're trying to give us a feel, like a lighthearted feel for the Brody brothers. They've all been right. reunited again. And... One of them's not in it at all. Oh my god, he just disappears. But so that's where I think they were trying to be reminiscent of Jaws being like this character movie, only we don't care about the Brody brothers. But you know what? This this story, it, it works for me. To be honest, like having one of them gr- grow up and still feel this draw to water so much so that he's, I have no idea what, like a undersea architect. I have no I idea. I think he's what an he, architect. Yeah. And he's going to Thailand for it. Or All like- I know is that he, yeah, he bosses around a bunch of welders, uh, yeah. underwater welders who are just bodybuilders. <laughs> so essentially this whole thing is set at a sea world and... Mike Brody is the underwater welder. <laughs> <laughs> the head underwater welder, thank you. Or SeaWorld developer, I don't know. Really and then sure. his brother comes to visit him, and uh, that's Sean, who actually really doesn't like water. So there you have some good conflict there. And the setting is also really fun. I love that we're at a SeaWorld. Side note, um, I hate SeaWorld, but <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of this amusement park thing. They've got this really like Epcot vibe where there's yeah. this... Instead of tour around the world at Epcot, where you're going to all the different places on planet Earth, you're instead getting all the undersea ocean stuff. So you you go and walk through the underwater cinosphere. Um, Check out the coral reef and stuff. Which is really cool. Except there's a shark in the lagoon. <laughs> yep. But it's a really fun premise because there's a really great way to bring that like summery, beachy, the beaches are open vibe of the original Jaws, but different. And there's always people. Like, there's always yes, people. Vacationers, at people on tourists on vacation. The water skiers is a great touch. And their hokey ass costume. <laughs> Do those water skiers ever perform for people at SeaWorld? I think they. they I think they were just doing it for fun, just right? Go around the lagoon. Like, okay. they just fuck around on their water skis. Remember, everybody, at 1.15 today, we've got some people that will be boating by. <laughs> Look out on the lagoon for the water skiers in their German lederhosen. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing's strange. I read, so I, so I was really surprised to see Richard Matheson's name uh, as at the beginning of the movie as a writer. I don't really know what the original script looked like, but apparently his original idea was that a shark had swam upstream and got stuck in a lake. And then they just took the idea of like, oh, a shark being stuck in an area that it shouldn't be in and um, and made it SeaWorld. I like I, I like that idea that it's trapped in something. Like that alone is great because Jaws, Jaws 2, you know, it's a beach, he shouldn't be here, but you know, it's possible that he made his way there. So we are all trying to stay out of the water away from it. But uh, in in this, it's like it really shouldn't be here. It doesn't want to be here, but it doesn't have a way out. So and it just... has no regular supply of food except for trained dolphins. Until now. Except for Sandy and some I can't remember Sandy and Cindy. Sandy Ooh, and Cindy. Uh, maybe Cindy and Sandy. I think that's right. It'd be great if we saw that the shark was smart enough to just like slowly break things so people had to come underwater <laughs> and fix it. He was just like monch. Well, so the first person he kills is I he first person mom and or baby kills yeah. is the guy they send down to fix the gate because something big stops the gate from closing and I we're assuming that's when the sharks got in or maybe they've been coming in and out this whole time cuz I don't know if the gate's ever properly closed. <laughs> <laughs> And so they eat the underwater welder. We get a fun 3D arm shot, which is wonderful. But then the next people to be killed are some random kids who go out on a dinghy. I don't know what they're looking for. And I have no idea why they're out there. I have no idea what they're looking for, but they got to go at night, cover of darkness. Yeah. Hunting for something. I think they're stealing fish or something. Or maybe like they think that... The treasure chest that's featured in the lagoon is real treasure? I don't know. But so they're 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 using it to like cut back and forth between Mike and Sean and their girlfriends like flirting in the shallow end and these kids trying to like steal stuff or get out on the dinghy. And it's just like 
sure, this is tense, but I don't know why. <laughs> it sort of mirrors that scene in the original Jaws where the guys like where the guys throw a whole like ham into the water to try and catch <laughs> the shark. You know, the thing the thing that this movie really proved to me is that uh, like some of the greatest scenes in Jaws are very quiet scenes because it's underwater. Like as as soon as you've got somebody screaming underwater being attacked by a shark, it it doesn't make any sound from the beach. You know, and that's scary. That's that's oh, nuts. That's this shark sounds like a lion roaring. Well, this this shark does <laughs> roar. Uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to gloss over that. But in in moments where you've got some action that's maybe a little too close up and then you cut away to the top and you've got bubbles and it's just silent. It doesn't feel scary. It just feels boring. (laughs) It's like, wow, this is really quiet for somebody dying. Okay, fine. But the finale, which we'll get to, has an inside the mouth of a shark POV kill. Oh, sure. Just give away the best part of the movie. I'm just saying. I was ready to go to bed. I was falling asleep watching this movie, and that was just, oh, that woke me up so hard. I'm still riding high on that. Days later, it's still like, holy shit, how did they bury the greatest scene in the Jaws franchise in maybe the worst movie? I'm still saying, though, the movie should have just ended entirely, like, like cut to black as soon as the shark slowly like a blimp in the water <laughs> broke through the control room glass think first friday the 13th opening oh yeah like the, it the looks just like superimposed that superimposed glass just like shatters and the shark just comes into the control room <laughs> it's great it's so awesome it should have been the final moment should have ended right there yeah and a jump dead. scare <laughs> Yeah, right, shark wins. Credits. (laughs) But what I wanted to say was we're going to rewind a bit back to the middle of the movie uh, without getting too far into the ethics of SeaWorld. What's so interesting about this movie is you think they're going to present it as something in terms of the ethics of hunting these sharks because they've set themselves up to a really good position where they can kind of talk about animals for conservation and stuff because they're almost like, you know, a zoo. And the whole underwater facility they built is about educating about sea life. I mean, they do have the circusy element of the trained animals, which is, you know, very questionable. But nine out of ten people just want to fucking blow it up. (laughs) But yeah, so there are two ideas presented the second the second the (laughs) fucking they're on the dock still being like, oh, no, we have a shark. There's some weird filmmaker guy there. Fitzroyce. Philip Fitzroyce. And his partner, who I have no idea if they're like the money or if they're TMZ. Right? <laughs> yeah, like he's definitely there to film it. He's definitely rich. And the, the cameras seem to know who he is. Yeah. So I think he's all three. Their suggestion that he's just filling all the roles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> their suggestion is like, let's kill it. It'll be great news. And then our zoologist girl who's supposed to be the emotional center to this movie is like let's capture it it'll be great so they fucking capture this shark and it dies immediately <laughs> immediately in front of all of the in patrons of, of SeaWorld well they weren't supposed to have it out there like she said to them you can't put it out here yet and she's just like it'll be the only shark great white in captivity ever and it's just like Maybe because they're not fucking supposed to be. No, really, really not. It's a great white shark. You cannot domesticate these sons (gasps) of bitches. They will always eat you. And that's the end of my essay on SeaWorld. (laughs) I mean, if you want like a part two on that essay, I found out that that one of the dolphins is 50 years old. So I I was reading about fucking sharks for this. Did you know that sharks don't reach their sexual maturity until 30 years old? Wow. A male shark isn't like teenager till it's 30. Like every Females, shark I think is it's a like cougar? 23. But yeah, they don't start procreating until they're like 30. Shit. Yeah, and they live till they're 80. They just swim around eating stuff for yeah. 30 years. And we're talking about our clocks ticking at the age of 30. Like, let's be like the sharks be. 30's when it starts. <laughs> Well, I was also did. reading about their diets too, which is like, this is is this going to be interesting? I don't know, but I'm going to say it. Apparently, that so their preferred diet is not human meat. Oh, of course. But they'll opt for things that have a high fat content. Okay. So they'll opt for like elephant Americans. seals oh. over sea lions. And they were just doing different tests by dropping different like carcasses in the water to see what they would go for. And apparently <laughs> they're really not into sheep. Like they will just not eat sheep. So sheeps Weird. by the water are fine. You so, guys can stay at Amity all summer long. 
do you know if they were just dropping sheeps in whole? Like, was it just like, ah, uh, too much of this gets stuck in my teeth? Or is it... Like, <laughs> it's just the wool? They're just yeah. like... <laughs> yeah, like the, set, like the center filling on this bag of wool is good. Well, but... I would assume it was like meat hunks, but I don't okay. know. Yeah. They don't like sheep. <laughs> Fair enough. What do you think of Dennis Quaid in this? Do you have any Dennis Quaid opinions? Dennis Quaid is fine. I mean, he's yeah. he's doing okay for yeah. a dumb movie. There are a lot of like one-on-one talks with his girlfriend slash wife about like what are they going to do about him going away. I'm going to Peru, and baby, or Brazil or there's something, right? Mo- there's moments where they're like literally under the water, like taking a break from being eaten by a shark to talk about it. <laughs> Which I really enjoyed. It was a little more melodramatic than a shark would allow, but I approve. <laughs> I don't even really know what her full job is because they make her up to be like the lead scientist or yeah. the biologist and of fish the feeder. Yeah, but she's she also, feeds the killer whales. She a also lot. seems like she's training the whales. Yeah, she hangs out on top of the whales a bunch. Like yeah, like she's teaching it tricks and stuff. Yeah, so weird. She's like head trainer. I don't know. Maybe you just, you know what? When you're on top, you, you do all the jobs. That's what I've learned. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta roll up your sleeves. If you're a manager or something, there's no job at a at an office that you don't do. You feed the fish, you train the fish, you murder the fish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So after they kill the baby fish, they find the first corpse of yes, the guy that's right. whose wife is ready to leave him. And she, um... <laughs> well, it sounds like he's been screwing around. <laughs> So they they pull the corpse up and everybody has this like silent gasp and they're just like, and we're supposed to take from that that the bite radius is incorrect (laughs) because nowhere is it explicitly explained to us like that shark could not have bit that body. Well, I mean, like we don't have the full on Richard Dreyfuss scene where he's just like, there's there's no tiger shark did this. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, like... You need to, uh, was there not a scene where... I think they say it like four minutes after, but they, okay. everybody in the scene and then the scene after know that the bite radius is wrong before they tell us the audience. Well, I mean, fuck, it's a shark movie. We're only halfway through and we immediately cut to the POV like the... of another shark. We're like, like, bite radius was wrong. Yeah, like, I know what's going on. <laughs> I'm over here shoveling popcorn in my face thinking I'm the smartest person in the room <laughs> I know better than this dumb movie. Another right bite radius. Wrong shark. <laughs> and we know mama sharks stay near their babies. That's really why I wanted to Google sharks. I never found out if mom sharks stay near their babies. They seem like the kind of animal that would just be like, you're on your own Yeah. Now. Like, have fun. Yeah. You don't swim away fast enough, I'll eat you. Well, and also, too, they don't have any natural predators, so why wouldn't a shark just ditch its baby? Yeah, but it's not like a small shark baby's got no predators. I'm sure there's a bunch of other sharks. Small shark baby. Well, yeah, like you mean this little teeny little baby? Like I guarantee other fish are just like, fuck you, I hate your mom, I'm eating you. Half of our listeners, like the ones that are parents, are trying real hard not to sing Baby Shark right now. I guess. <laughs> and we're not going to sing it. I don't actually... You don't know it, which no. is fine. And yeah. I'm not going to sing heard it to you because... I've then... heard it. It just it doesn't stuck in my head. I haven't heard it a thousand See, times. See, you're one of the only people on the planet. I think Fitzroyce is the greatest character in this movie. And not... Well, the shark is, obviously. <laughs> the shark is always top-billed. And that's that's what always upsets me at the end of this movie. Um, but Fitzroyce is awesome. I can't quite peg his accent. He's either South African or Australian. I just don't know what he does. I don't know either. But who cares? He's like the Russell Brand. Is that the, the guy who owns Virgin? He, he strikes me as the eccentric billionaire who just... You know, he's got one main business, but he likes to throw his money around these other spots. But at heart, he's an extreme sportsman. So he's like that random guy in Lake Placid who comes with the helicopter. Oliver Platt? Yeah. Oliver Platt is is a accredited scientist, ma'am. No, he's not. <laughs> he just likes to throw weird sex parties and do drugs with alligators. <laughs> so I was working up to the Big Shark reveal, and in the this Sea World, they have this really fancy restaurant. This, like, undersea lagoon cocktail bar. And they go to the owner to be like, hey, wrong bite radius, bigger ass shark. And he's like, no. As soon as he says no, the shark doesn't not come up and mug the window. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, both of these movies, this movie and Piranha 3D, have, like, really odd pacing, and for, for different reasons. But, like, you know, once the big shark shows up, like, stuff doesn't, like, ramp up. Yeah! You know? Like, it's still just kind of business as usual. This big shark is as dangerous as the small shark. It's killing as many people as fast. It's just bigger. Yeah. Well, and they have to kind of set up because this isn't just a whole island where people live. It's a theme park that needs to close down because there's a safety issue. So instead of having a crazy mayor who just refuses to close the beach, in this one, people get trapped in the undersea lagoon. And so it becomes a rescue mission. And there's a lot of like third act welding. <laughs> yeah. Cause they, yeah, there's to a rescue lot the people of third under act the welding. Sea. Yeah. So, I mean,. All we've really t- taken from this is that if you're going to build a fake lagoon, maybe don't connect it to the ocean. That's all we learned. That's it. I mean, um, that's all we've ever had to know. Highlight of the movie, though, for me was the final image where we find out that the two dolphins survived being in the lagoon <laughs> with the giant ass shark. <laughs> and then everybody does like a rocky cheer. <laughs> yeah. And it freeze frames with like a, a, a super imposed <laughs> dolphin jumping in the air. Oh, so good. So good. Freaking wild. I am still in love with Fitzroy's death scene shot from inside the shark's mouth. It's incredible. It's bizarre to me that the shark doesn't swallow him at any point. He just throws him in his mouth and crushes him with his, <laughs> with his not even his teeth, just his jaws. With like his shark tongue. <laughs> yeah, he's just like bouncing um, him up against the roof um, of his mouth. <laughs> And he keeps that death grip over the dynamite. Well, there's the thing. At the end of the movie, they come to, they find the big shark, and inside the shark's mouth is still Fitzroyce. He's still there. <laughs> and he's, he's holding on, like, from my cold, dead hands. I've got this fucking underwater grenade. And so they, they pull the pin, they blow the shark, and it saves the day, right? Why does he never f- swallow him? <laughs> Like, and to think, like, he, he, the shark is not big enough to have an entire fucking arm stuck between its teeth. Well, like, I think because the shark is stuck in the control room, like, maybe his, like, belly is constricted and he can't You think he burped him up? Oh, no, because okay. he, he's stuck there the whole time. Okay. It's all one sequence, John. That's a boring movie. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like Jaws 3. I'm going to say it right now. Okay, so what's your rating? <laughs> one out of four. It's not I don't I don't find it fun. It's not enjoyable. It's it's a slog. It's got a great kill. It's got some See, fun dumb stuff. I agree that it's not great, but am I going to watch it again this summer? Yes. Hopefully not. Okay. <laughs> 100% yes. <laughs> so, I think I'm going to give it a 1.85 out of 4. Okay. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's talk about another movie with another killer fish. A movie that I think is a hundred times more enjoyable than Jaws 3D. Let's talk about Piranha 3D. It's like this body's been in the water for weeks. I want to know what the hell this thing is doing in my lake. Is that a piranha? This particular piranha vanished two million years ago. I'm thinking about closing the lake. There's us and there's 20,000 kids. You do the math. Take it off! The shark 
declared an emergency. Don't worry, we got Pete over here! Piranha hunt in packs. The first bite draws blood. The blood draws the pack. Piranha 3D from 2010. It's currently sitting at a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes, 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb, 53% on Metacritic, and 2.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I would have thought that Letterboxd rating would have been higher. Yeah, this is definitely like a a movie for the people. It's it's an <laughs> audience movie. This is this is definitely not made for critics. This is for people to watch on a Friday night, a Saturday night. Um with a group of friends. I don't know how anybody doesn't think this movie is the fucking 10 out of 10. Because this movie... <laughs> the look uh, on your face. Uh, yes. Uh, it's okay. Well, the thing about this movie is that at no point... It's it's not... I hate using the term, but it's not so bad it's good. Like, it's not the late night, you can only enjoy it with friends party movie. And it's not trying too hard to be anything that it's not yeah that's kind of the thing too is that it's not like a failure it fully is what it intends to be hell yeah this movie Um, is the opposite of an identity crisis it's a b movie camp but with weird 2000s era cgi and hairstyles which is it's you know it's kind of becoming like eli roth's brand well as a producer that's why he's in it right yeah (laughs) now speaking of eli roth a guy who notoriously uses a ton of blood in his movies. Well, we should say this is Alexander Aja. Yes, Alexander Aja directed this. Director Who is becoming of... the king of aquatic horror. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, with Crawl last year and this, oh man, it's, uh, well, and also three, Piranha 3 Double D. Which I'm secretly sad was not the one that we're watching. I don't remember too much about it. I do remember that Ving Rhames I is think in it. it's at a water park. So isn't it just like the next year? Or I think ah whatever. The point is, my favorite part about Piranha Three Double D, just as a quick aside, is that Ving Rhames is in it and only is only missing a single leg because he <laughs> very clearly dies in this movie. They eat the they eat every last bit of Ving Rhames. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> but he like sinks into the water. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, hero of the day, right? It's like he's in a vat of acid, just slowly dissolving. He's like, y'all get out of here! Get out of here! The CGI in this movie is awful. It's great. It's awful. It's 2010 is what it is. That's that's it's how we should start rating... It's 2010 at a 1994 budget, is what it is. Whoa! I'm saying, though, that that's fully intentional. I don't think that they wanted the best CGI. I mean, when we watch um, What's-His-Name-Go-Down-The-Pond shoot, at the oh, in the cold open. Oh, Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus. We said his name earlier in the episode. I don't know why I couldn't remember it. That's okay. But when he gets flushed down the pond toilet, nice. It looks so bad. <laughs> it looks pretty terrible. Yeah. It looks awful, but sets you up. You know what you're coming for. You were trying to say how good it looked. You're like, look how good the beer bottle sinking looks. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm talking specifically about the 3D quality. As we watched it in 2D. It was filmed in 2D. Who fucking cares? <laughs> Apparently one of the, like, the first movie to be shot in 2D and converted to 3D intentionally. Every other time it's ever been done up to then was was done after the fact. Mm. But it was just like, this is too fucking hard. Like, you got a 3D camera rig. You're shooting on the water. Like, fuck. Yeah, you got enough true. going against you without 3D. That's very true. Okay, so plot wise, we follow Jake Forrester who is mm-hmm. Sheriff Forrester's son during this like crazy spring break week at this tiny lake town. And his mom's obviously working overtime, so he's supposed to he's supposed to stay at home and babysit his two younger kids. Cruel. Just pointing that cruel out. Cruel summer, yeah. Cruel <laughs> decision. It was a cruel summer, yeah. How not do you gonna do sing, that to not kids? gonna sing. How you, like, all of a sudden your quiet, boring town gets filled with interest and you know. It's drugs a good way stuff, to keep but... him in line, though. There's <sighs> boobs everywhere. Well, it didn't and do he's shit. Underage. 
And every time she opens his door, he's looking at porn. So maybe he should stay home. He's not looking at porn. He's researching a job opportunity. <laughs> yeah, so somehow he gets hooked up with this unofficial Girls Gone Wild. Yeah, it's called Wild Wild Girls. <laughs> Which has got two employees and two girls. And they're like, we're renting a boat. I think that's the, the employee count of Girls Gone Wild. Girls Gone Wild doesn't, but they, they're supposed to just walk around and get drunk girls to sign waivers and lift their shirts. This one's instead like, no, we're going to do naked, naked acrobatic swinging, swimming in this empty lagoon. You know, that said, I haven't yet done the deep dive binge watch of all the Girls Gone Wild videos. <laughs> Maybe they are as high tech as this. I mean, there's some French opera shit in this movie. <laughs> I know, it gets very poetic. <laughs> oh, boy. And so he he pays off his siblings and climbs all aboard the rated X boat. Oh, nice. I like it. Although it's not really rated X. It's like rated soft R boat. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, for some reason, his love interest also comes aboard, even though she's fully like low key signing up to be in a porno. She knows what she's doing. Like, what? what? (laughs) And it doesn't really seem like she's trying to impress him. She's like, I'm going to do this. This is fine. I'm okay with this. Well, it's not like her boyfriend was a shithead anyway. So she ditched him. And, you know, meanwhile, uh, the earthquake that caused the toilet flush at the beginning in the pond that sucked up Richard Dreyfuss. The seismic activity, John. Of course. Well, and we, we have had to some... get the seismic divers. Yeah, they're here to research everything, and Elizabeth Shue will be... Elizabeth Shue, Sheriff Forrester, played by Elizabeth Shue, will be escorting them out to wherever they need to dive, so that's why, you know... She's off in one part of the lake, the sun's off in another part of the lake, and the real happening spot where everybody's just getting drunk on their boats and watching a wet t-shirt contest hosted by Eli Roth is happening back ashore. So these are our three points of interest, and the piranhas are coming for all of them. What's your favorite... Let's just fucking get it. What's your favorite kill of the movie? Well, honestly, okay, so the boat stuff and the, the Girls Gone Wild plot, I really dislike. I find it it really slows down the movie. It okay. becomes this like trying to lengthen the film's slog. I love, 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 love the spring break portion of the film. The final act of this movie when the piranhas go buck, like the piranhas go wild. <laughs> oh shit! Is one of the best kill sequences of. The 2000s. It's incredible. Uh, last 20 years. It's like, like maybe my favorite massacre ever. It is 15 minutes long. It's and amazing. And there is no plot. It's just piranha death and fun sequences with corpses and people dying and hair getting caught in rudders. Oh, and fuck. Girls' butts being eaten and floaty devices. And yes. like the, the floating stage tips over and somebody gets cut by a... Okay, that's my favorite. The girl that gets cut by the wire. The two girls who get cut oh, by the wire. my God. And then she's floating just her top torso. Oh, so good. It's fucking amazing, right? So like good. Just a spring bla- spring bait. Oh, boy. Spring break <laughs> slaughter fest. Like, I fucking love it. Um, what's my favorite? Ooh, this is tough. It's um, hard because there's so many. But yeah, there's a lot of really good ones. I kind of love anytime somebody gets taken out of the water and their legs have, have been eaten. Yes. And you can still see like their fucking skeleton foot just like, oh, Jerry. That was pretty great when the one girl was parasailing that's, naked. Okay, so that's what I was building up to. That fucking parasailing sequence is so goddamn good. And they, they lift her up out of the water and the tore fucking like, legs are just gone. I also have to say that Every time they they play up the yucks of somebody's leg being like just a bony, fleshy yes, yeah. pool of goo, and it's so small compared to the rest of their body, it happens to one of the police officers at the spring break area where he's got this piddly foot. Fuck yeah. And then when our Girls Gone Wild leader ends up getting eaten. <laughs> they ate my dick! <laughs> they ate my dick! He's just this tiny pile of gooey legs. I love, at first I loved the fact that his dying words were, they ate my dick. (laughs) And then two minutes later, like... uh, Wet (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He's back alive just like for a quick second, moment of clarity. Wet t-shirt contest. Wet t-shirt contest. Like put it on my tombstone. Wet t-shirt contest. Oh boy. Really good. I mean, we do get a lot of close-ups of the, the piranhas like chew, like fighting over, chewing up, belching out his dick. But whatever. It's, I liked it. It's funny. After all the like boobs, we needed a counterbalance. Oh yeah, I mean that guy really fucking deserves it too, <laughs> right? Yeah, like that that entire uh, massacre at the 
at the beachfront is is insane. It it honestly, it's such a shining, gross, gory, campy light for this film. The rest of the movie pales in comparison. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I I agree, but. I think I think this movie is fun from fucking start to finish. There are so many good deaths throughout the whole goddamn thing. Like, uh huh. Well, I feel like we just talked about a bunch of them. There's some setup. What do you want? So I mean, <laughs> Richard Dreyfuss's body comes up and scares her in the beginning, and that's friggin' great. Uh, like, I don't I don't remember. <laughs> like, okay, I will say one of the problems with the movie, um. Because it's kind of just like over, like it's it's over a lot faster than you expect. Because, yeah, it just ends. Yeah, because you don't really realize that that massacre that that's happening, where the Piranos really start eating everybody, is the end of the movie. Like we are in the last twenty minutes of this movie. Because mm-hmm. so like it it really takes its time getting there, and it takes off like a fucking cannon at that point, and then it just kind of like keeps going until the credits. Uh, which is cool. I like that. Like, we finish with high energy. I don't feel like the beginning of the movie is a huge drag for me. Like, it does have all those, like, you know, stereotypical spring break vibes. Mm-hmm. Like, sheriffs and trying to keep the kids in line. You know, her son. She can't keep her son in line also. And, oh, the kids get stuck on an island and we got to save the kids all, you know, as well. And we get the piranha vision because the piranhas are, like, stalking the little girl's feet as she's, like, just in the water. It looks great. I love it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Ah, I think it looks good. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, like fucking people get eaten all over the place in this movie, and it's great. The special effects are incredible. So what do you think about the underwater lake sequences? When they go and the two divers go investigate this crevice that has opened up. and You mean that scene where those two people get eaten the fuck up? In the underwater lake. Yeah, I loved it. With all the baby embryos. Loved it. I'm sorry. There's not a lot about this movie I don't like. Like, this movie is awesome. I'm, you were in the room with me. I was screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> you were, like, so this. mad that I wasn't, like, <laughs> cheering out loud. Well, well, I made up for the both of us, at least. <laughs> my rule when I watch movies like these is scream until the ghosts of... The, <laughs> until the gods that provided us these piranhas hear me. I do have to say that I really enjoyed Adam Scott in this movie because he always plays the the serious one and so his performance is always really like stoic and without humor but he's so funny um when they finally get back from the underwater diving thing and they realize that oh shit there's piranhas they're eating everyone they're going to try to get everybody out of the water at the spring break area and it just becomes chaos immediately and people are dying everywhere and so elizabeth shoe busies herself by pulling half dead people onto the police boat and he just hops onto a ski do and just starts like picking up people out of the water and like it's two at a time it's to the so shore. fucking funny he's so intensely like an action hero in those moments and people are so like dying in such silly and absurd ways around him and it's just it's funny and hilarious he's in a uh, hellraiser movie eh? oh wow yeah hellraiser 4 bloodline in space we should have watched that during Space Month. I mean, better late than never. Let's let's hop on it now. Let's end this podcast early. <laughs> <laughs> Go spend the rest of our Sunday evening watching Hellraiser movies. According to the production team, which is probably just Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger, they used approximately 75 gallons of fake blood every day. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I think that's mostly because, like, that sounds insane, like, bigger than Evil Dead or Dead Alive. But I think it's mostly due to the fact that they had to to taint the water. Well, and it was water, right? Like, it dissipates so quickly. So anytime yeah. they needed, a, like, a red water death scene, they'd have to, like, bleh. Yeah, like, okay, here's 20 gallons. You got five minutes. Shoot. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite moments of the movie is actually, like, after all that chaos is done... And, like, the Spring Break Massacre, we just, like, get to pan over everything yeah. when it's all just the, the leftover corpses. And the dummies in the water look fantastic. Yes. There are some really great moments where we just close up on, like, some gashes and wounds and bites and, and half-eaten people. And it looks fucking wonderful. They really put full appliances on a lot of extras. There are so many dummies and stuff. Yeah. Apparently 1,100 boats in that scene. What? Yes. That scene, they used 1,100 boats in that whole massacre sequence. That's crazy. I would guess maybe 15. Yeah, you just shoot around it. Like, you're just like, oh, we'll double these ones It here. looked like 15, John. Are you sure it wasn't 100 boats? I'm 
not sure. <laughs> it's the internet. Who fucking knows? Uh, you're right. That does sound like a lot of boats. Maybe it's people. Maybe it's 1,100 people. Okay, maybe. <laughs> oh, God. Why am I so dumb? I just read it, and I was like, that's amazing. Write that down. <laughs> Read that on the podcast. Blow everybody's fucking minds. It took them five Good thing days. that I'm a fact checker. Yeah. Right. I check <laughs> which, your facts. Which is really just, you raise an eyebrow, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, but uh, it took them five days to film it, from what I read on IMDb. Which isn't long. No, I was expecting two fucking weeks. Like, I expected the whole movie was was yeah. filming that scene. 80% of the, and that's why the rest of it lags so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, 80% of the, the, the production was just that fucking sequence. I wouldn't be surprised. Thing Rames is the fucking man. Just takes off a fucking, like, he's just shooting fish with a shotgun. And when that's not enough, he takes off a boat propeller and just starts jamming it in the water. I really like this movie. Christopher Lloyd's, I don't want to call it a cameo because it's pretty much a role. Yeah, it's a role. Uh, as the scientist where they go to take the prehistoric fish is wonderful. He's just the only person that could have delivered the ominous eeriness of this preposterous scenario they're in. Like, no, these are ancient fish and these ones don't have mature reproductive organs. That these was a pretty, are the baby. That was actually really good. Did you hear how good my Christopher Lloyd was? I surprised okay. myself. Now what I need you to do is say, damn it, Marty. <laughs> We've got to go back to the future. Damn it, Marty. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, I just learned I can do Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> Which means with given some work and a few burps, like you can do uh, a Rick Sanchez also. <laughs> You don't question him because he's always played like mad crazy scientists. But he's a very specific mad crazy scientist. But you just, you are on board immediately. Like nobody needs to describe who this man is. And yeah. he just comes out with a piranha fossil and you're like, all right, they're ancient piranhas. This makes sense. <laughs> That's very true. But I feel like every time he shows up in any movie, every character could lead it with saying, Doctor, sorry to wake you up for your afternoon nap, but could you tell us a little bit about these piranhas? Because he does seem like you've startled him. And, what? Where? Oh, yeah. Let me just get my fossil over here. Like, uh. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I, I love his energy, though. Like, I could see him in anything. Hell yeah. Unfortunately, everything great about this movie is the over-the-top presentation of its story. And the special effects, like, fuck, this, the special effects of this movie are just goddamn incredible. Uh, I mean, if the mean, the names mean nothing to you, like, the, this is part of the team responsible for The Walking Dead. And, like, we, we can all agree, the like, whether or not you watch it, the zombies in The Walking Dead are, like, the height of practical special effects right now. The, mm -hmm. the blending of practical and CGI. So, like, that's, that's another great reason to go back and rewatch Piranha 3D if it's been a little while. Help us get that letterboxed rating up, guys. <laughs> Come on. But Do you remember when you first saw Piranha 3D? You know, I didn't see it in the theater, and that makes me very sad. That does make me sad, because y you probably would have loved it. I'm sure I would have, for whatever reason. It just didn't. I don't know why. This would be a really fun drive-in watch. Oh, they yeah. did a bunch of just campy, summery, gory B-movies. I love modern B. I think it's a fun genre. Modern B. Th that sounds like a great drive-in name. Gory with CGI. So, Kim... What is your rating of Piranha 3D? Okay, so who? Um, Come on, soften the blow. Let me. Final hear it. sequence <laughs> is fan fucking tabulous. Super wonderful. I love Eli Roth's gross wet t-shirt contest. Yeah, he's the worst. Ving Rhames is amazing. All of the stuff on the boat, I don't really like. Apart from Paul Shear's sunblock nose and. <laughs> Wide brim brimmed hat that was pretty wonderful. Oh, and I guess um, Girls Gone Wild guy's death is pretty good. Yeah, Jerry O'Connell's good. Jerry O'Connell. My favorite part of Paul Shear is when he's talking about Jerry O'Connell. How does he die? Do we see him? We die? never see his death. Yeah, it got cut from the movie. Okay, because he's just like on the boat, and then he's not. And then on the he's boat. just not on the boat. <laughs> yeah, no, it's unfortunate. He's just gone. Uh, <laughs> they never address it. It's uh, whatever. I don't know why it happened, but it happened. My favorite part is when he's talking about Jerry O'Connell's character Derek, um, about his vision for the movie. Like, you know, we're going out here. We're gonna capture, you know, innocence. You know, that's what that's what Derek says it's all about: capturing innocence. And then there's just a beat where like. They look at each other, and they look at the girls, and they look at Derek, who's just, like, drinking champagne and, like, cutting lines of coke, and he's just like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, You're just a sleazebag. So I'm going to go with a two out of four. 
that doesn't hurt at all. Uh, it's fine. I understand. It's got that a summer bump, John. It's got a it's got a summer bump, and it's only a two out of four. Yeah, that's fine. Jaws had a summer bump too. Jaws three, I summer bumped it. <laughs> this I love that these bumps that you're giving are secret silent ballad bumps. <laughs> like you don't announce to the public that you're giving it a bump. Well, they're just things that influence my decision. I wanna... We all know the summer bump. I, oh, that's what these half hour talks are supposed to be about. <laughs> Yeah, but how much can I be like, the sunshine in this movie was great. (laughs) There are plenty of awesome scenes where we're shooting directly up at the summer sky, and it's just like, wow, how'd they make it look that good? I appreciated the summer landscape. Oh, you know, another good death is where the, uh, that one actress is going across the rope, and she just slowly gets taken down by the piranhas. Yeah, that's pretty great. Pretty great. So what's your rating? My rating is, (laughs) my rating is three out of four. Okay. That's yeah. pretty high. That's uh, pfft, you better I'm, go get on on Letterbox and single handedly up that rating by a point 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 zero zero one. I gave it a four out of five on Letterbox, oh <laughs> that's which is exactly why I considered giving it a three point four out of three point five out of four here on the podcast. What was your review on Letterbox? Um, I was basically just like that this uh, this movie knows exactly what it is and leans in hard, like it commits a hundred percent. No, that's not funny. No, it's not funny. I'm sorry. Ugh. <laughs> But it's true. This movie is uh, this movie is everything that it wants to be, and it doesn't shy away from you know the the shittiest parts of itself. It's great. Like it says a lot about spring break, spring break culture, and uh, wouldn't it be great to just see a bunch of like college idiots eaten up by piranhas? Oh my gosh! I'm into that movie. Well, let us know what you thought about Jaws 3D and Piranha 3D. In our prom slash underwater hybrid summer, <laughs> we're celebrating two months of the under the the magic under the sea dance. I haven't finished that title yet, but something to do with prom and undersea. This is probably my favorite monthly theme yet. So you can tweet at us at NOFS Podcast. You can also find us at nofspodcast.com where there's ton of undersea and teenage prom related articles. Nightmare on Film Street is, of course, listener-supported by fiends like yourself. Head over to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street to support indie horror podcasts and check out all the amazing bonus content available to you uh, as, as a recurring monthly supporter of the show. But until next time, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.